Hey, 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 this is Rita Join and welcome to Unbox Your Gift. Today I'm interviewing someone that before you listen into the actual interview, I just wanted to pre-frame that we're starting off the interview with why she found her gift because this is a huge pivotal point in my guest's life, in Christina's life, in how and why she wanted to find her gift. And so we started the actual interview with just explaining the whole incident, the event that took place. So listen in because it's riveting, it's not what you're expecting, and it's certainly going to want you to find your own gift. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Unbox Your Gift podcast. Today, I've got someone who I believe is very, whose work is extraordinary. But when I was speaking to her before the interview, she's like, oh, it's just my life. And I don't believe that for a second because it's extraordinary. She is a mother of seven, okay, who not only is a mother of seven, because that's like a big deal in and of itself, but she homeschools them. If you're a parent, you know <laughs> what this means. You've got nieces and nephews. She homeschools seven kids. And after a near-death experience, so after being on life support, she, uh, and this is at the point where she's giving birth to her last little baby, she, it was at that moment that she took a leap of faith and went into what's now known as the healing arts, which is being a GAPS practitioner, a naturopath, and a herbalist. And I want to really shine the light on Christina today because I want to find number one, well, you're, you've got seven kids, you're homeschooling them, your plate is full anyway. What was, what was it that made you wanted to impact you so much that you needed to go and take another leap and do something outside of what you already have on your plate? So Christina, welcome to Unbox Your Gift. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to share. I am very excited to just like all guns blazing now because I am excited <laughs> to know. So you're a mummy of seven babies. Yep. How old are they, by the way? So currently they're 14 to four. Wow. Okay. So you, you really do literally have a baby. <laughs> four yeah. adults, still a baby. So you homeschool them. And so tell me the story. What, was, what happened for you to lead you to a near-death experience and then jump into what's called now the healing arts? Yeah. So what happened for me was that I was pregnant with baby number seven and eight at the time. So we had a pregnancy of twins that we didn't know about um, until further along in that journey. And just coming down the stairs, it was my daughter's birthday and I'm full of, you know, just that secret of knowing that you've got a baby and like nobody else really knows yet except for you and your husband and maybe your family and your friends, but nobody else knows. Yeah. And so I've just got this delight of having this little special secret growing inside of me. And then I'm standing at the kitchen table getting ready to make pancakes for breakfast as a celebration for her birthday. And all of a sudden I felt a gush. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Maybe I've just peed myself because, hey, pregnant women pee themselves. Yeah. Um, so I went upstairs to the toilet to check and that is when I discovered like blood was coming out. Um, and so I had this experience of, you know, the first time of really losing a baby. Um, and my husband could hear it. Like I just let out this, this big gasp and he could hear it from the bedroom and he comes running. He's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I've just had a miscarriage. And as I stood up from the toilet, out comes this baby. Oh. And we're standing there in my bathroom 
holding this little precious baby that is no longer like it's not meant to be there it's meant to be inside of me and it's meant to be growing and this is the end of of life for it oh my god and that was the start of what was then you know a very traumatic pregnancy in that it just continued you know we went to the hospital after that they were um puzzled because my hcg levels were really high so they were asking me all these questions are you sure you've had a miscarriage and i'm like yeah yes wow. <laughs> i i know i've had a miscarriage i've held this baby and then it took about five days after that for them to do an ultrasound and finally see that we actually still had another baby there wow. with a beating heart wow and then it was just this incredible journey of you know every week or two i would have another bleed and not knowing whether that baby was still alive or whether it would have a heartbeat or whether we'd get to term with it. And so it was a very stressful pregnancy. And it wasn't until around 20 weeks that we actually discovered I had what is known as placenta previa. Right. So my placenta was at the bottom of the uterus. And so that was presenting first. Okay. And so all of the bleeding was coming directly from the placenta. Right. So they had me on high watch for most of that pregnancy. Then at 36 weeks, I'm at home with six of my babies all sitting around me. We had just finished doing schoolwork uh, and I was crocheting because I just had this really strong feeling that I was going to die in that pregnancy. And so I was doing anything proactively that I could do to actually um, leave something behind. So I was on bed rest. So I was making like baby clothes for this little baby so that she would have clothes and a present for me in case I didn't make it. I made this whole you know, crocheted blanket that I'd slept with so it would smell like me. So if I died, someone could pick her up and wrap her in it and have like a a mummy hug for me so that this was just a special gift that I could leave behind just in case I didn't make it. Um, And so on this day at 36 weeks, I'm sitting there just doing some idle crocheting and I felt that gush again, that from the very start. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what this is. And so I could feel myself sinking inside. I rush up to the bathroom and I'm sitting on the toilet and there's so much blood coming out of me. It sounds like I'm peeing. And so my kids, some of them are running next door to get the lady next door because I'm home alone and someone's running to get the phone for me and somebody's running to get the computer because my husband didn't have a mobile phone at the time. He just had internet access. So I'm Facebook messaging him, bleeding, run, home now oh he literally drops what he's doing and runs home um at the same time i'm messaging my friend please come over and look after my babies Uh, i'm on the phone to the ambulance and crazy things are going through my head oh my god you poor thing oh my god i just can't imagine so so you're on the toilet your your bleeding is like you're peeing like that's yeah so you've called the ambulance then what happens then what happens is I'm on the phone and this is for me, it's one of those moments where you look back in reflection and go, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Yeah. yeah. So it's this mummy moment of there's a space between my bathroom and my toilet where there's carpet. Oh. <laughs> telling me to, to get off the toilet because they need to know how much I'm bleeding. Oh. And I'm like, going, I'm going to get blood on the carpet. Like, oh. 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 So, which is totally illogical at like that moment in time is like just get where you need to go (laughs) so I do this kind of jump from the toilet to the bathroom to get into the the bathroom without putting any blood on the carpet (laughs) (laughs) then the next thing she says to me she's like I want you to sit down on the floor 
And I'm, again, doing a mummy thing. I'm looking at the floor going, oh, my gosh, I've not washed this floor. It is disgusting. Um, and I say to her, uh, the floor's dirty. I can't sit on the floor. Oh. Goes, you need to sit down. And I'm like, I can sit on, I can sit on the bath. I'll sit on the bath. Oh, my like, no, you need to be on the floor in case you pass out. Oh, oh my goodness. So finally I get a towel, I put that on the floor, I'm good to go, I can sit on the floor now. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, my God. Oh. So then the ambulance comes. My husband is running home. The ambulance drives straight past him as he's running home. So, of course, that panics him more. Yeah. They get to me, they get a drip in, um, contractions at that point start and I can feel some really strong contractions happening. And of course, my main focus is my baby. Yes. Like, I just want this baby to come out and be alive and be okay. That's all I want. Yeah. Um, and so they get me into the ambulance and on the way to the hospital, I'm, I'm talking to the ambulance guy and I'm saying, she's in breach and if, she, if, she starts coming. I don't care how much this hurts. I want you to stick your hand in, grab her leg and pull her out. <laughs> and I could see the terror in his face because then he turns to the driver and goes, go faster. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is hilarious. Yeah. And so we finally we get to the get to the hospital. They take me almost straight into theatre. I have like two minutes to say goodbye to my husband. Um, I didn't know that that would be the last time I would see him for a week. Um, so I say goodbye to him. We get into the emergency room. There, all actions go. They're looking for a heartbeat, and they couldn't find one. And so I, you could feel like you could cut the tension with a knife. It was so thick that they couldn't find it. But then for me, I went. She's in breach. Her heart is not where you are thinking it's going to be. She's on the other side. Wow. They move. And then all of a sudden you could hear the heartbeat and you could hear like the whole room just did this massive sigh of relief. Oh. And then they jumped back into action. Wow. Yeah. So then they knock me out. They get her out within about 20 minutes. So she's done and dusted and okay. They had to revive her, but she was okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Me, on the other hand, that's when my fight for life really began. Because when they cut me open, they discovered not only did I have placenta previa, I'd also had this condition called placenta precreta. So my placenta had eaten all the way through my uterus and started to invade my bladder and into my major blood supply. And so it was kind of like a tumour going everywhere, looking for a blood supply. And so my surgeon was saying to me afterwards, it's like he had to use his hands. He couldn't see because there was so much blood. And he said, I couldn't feel where you began and it stopped. So I just had to do the best I could. Wow. And there was oodles and oodles. Like literally that floor, that operating floor was covered with blood. I'd used 178 litres of blood to stay alive, which is at the time I needed like around 178 people to donate blood within three weeks. Oh, my God. O negative blood as well. Like not just any blood, it had to be O negative blood. Oh. Which is not that common. For me to still be sitting here today, everything had to align. But that's all happened. And so they did the first surgery. They removed my uterus, but closed me up, sent me to ICU, but I was still bleeding out. And that's when they realised it had gone beyond just my uterus and into other parts of my body. 
So they had to do investigations where they stuck cameras in, they searched for all the parts of the placenta that were still left inside of me. Um, and it took them about four days to finally find all of it and stop the bleeding and <clears throat> to get me onto the road with it. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, to stop the bleeding and get me on the road to recovery. But there was a day on day three, they were like the, they were really concerned. They thought this would be the last time I would go to theater and that I wouldn't come out alive. And so they'd, they'd called my husband. Um, the phone was glitching at the time, so they couldn't get him. They'd sent the police to our house who broke in and woke him up in bed oh. to help him to get to the hospital. His wife's dying. Oh no. Oh my God. Yeah. This and they couldn't get a hold of anyone really at that point. So they tried him. They finally got him, but um, still there was nobody there with me. Marcella, my baby at the time, she was doing well enough in the NICU that they brought her down. Oh. And they brought her down and they put her on my chest. And at the moment, I distinctly remember it. I woke up and I just rubbed my chin on the top of her head. And I thought I was in recovery. I thought I'd been through my C-section. I was in recovery and I'm about to wake up. Little did I know I was about to go back in for more, more things. But, you know, I had a breathing tube in. I had blood and cannulas everywhere. And I fought all of the sedation to meet my little baby. Oh. And from that moment, that's when the nurse said she knew I'd be okay. Oh, wow. And then I went off, I come back. It's still another three days later and they finally wake me up off of ICU and all of the life support equipment that was keeping me alive. <gasps> and then my journey of recovery sort of began. God almighty, this is incredible. So let me just go back one step, yeah. you know. The fact that this is your seventh baby, had you experienced anything like that in the other six pregnancies? Uh, so my first one was a C-section and then I'd had like four normal vaginal births and then the last one before this was another C-section and that was because there was some issues with him that they thought he needed to get out and get some help. Okay. Um, but other than that, no. Nothing. This was just the first time it's been so dramatic. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So... You, you're taken off life support. Now, life support's taken off. You've met your little baby and now you're back on the road to recovery. What's going on now? Grief. So much grief. Like I, um, I was so, like I felt like I was broken yeah. in the sense that, you know, I, seven was not my beginning number. When people ask how many children you want, I wanted 12. That was my starting number and I was going to go from there. <laughs> so... Even though seven is a lot to some people, for me, that was just my beginning. Like I was nowhere near what I had thought would be my done point. Mm. And so I now had, had lost that ability to have any more children. Okay. Okay. My body was so weak because of all the blood transfusions and the operations and so on. I couldn't breastfeed her. And so I'd lost that ability too. Um, and I was so weak that I couldn't actually even hold her for longer than 10 to 20 minutes without somebody else assisting me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't walk on my own. I had to have assistance to walk. Like when I got home, eventually after another six weeks in hospital, my children had to help me to bed. They had to help carry my bladder bag and put me to bed because I was too weak to do any of it. Wow. So I'd lost all of this stuff and there was a lot of emotional grieving. Like I'd even lost the first week of my baby's life. Like I had a few pictures here and there about what she looked like when she came out, but I didn't know because I hadn't seen it for myself. Yeah. And I wasn't there for her first bath. I wasn't there for her first feed. You know, I lost all of this stuff. 
And there was just this overwhelming grief. Mm. And so I went through this stage of fighting life and, you know, I just wanted all the pain to end really. Mm-hmm. And so some days for me, like all I could do was force myself to sit in a chair and not take action to end my life. Like oh, wow. I was so in so much grieving pain from all of this that I just wanted it to be over. Yeah. But the one thing that kept me from actually continuing on that path was that I didn't want my children to believe that they weren't enough, Yeah, that oh. they weren't enough for me to stick around for. And so I started planning. I'm like, right, I can't kill myself, like just actually kill myself. I need to think of a way of doing it where it doesn't look like I've killed myself. So I went through this process of trying to think of ways of killing myself without looking like I killed myself. You know, I thought I could have a car accident, but then I realized every time I'm driving, the kids are with me. So that can't work. (laughs) And then, you know, I started this other process of going, well, I know how to help people get well. So I also probably know how to make people sick. How about I just make myself sick? How about I try and give myself cancer? Because, you know, no one will blame me if I give myself cancer. Like, you know, nobody blames a cancer patient for having cancer and dying. Like, that's okay. So I went through this, you know, this wow. process of, of trying to poison my body in, in ways of, with food, essentially. <laughs> the funny thing was that, that what I chose to do it with was this Cadbury's bar that like, uh, you know, the ones with the candy, like the popping candy. Yeah, yes. Yes. That was my poison. I call, I now call it my decision deferred because it actually brought me time for my body to heal and for my emotions to heal. But I would sit in the car park and I would buy like that popping candy chocolate. And it was this, just a position of me eating it because I'm feeling so distraught and distressed that I want to end my life. Yeah. But every time I put it in my mouth, you get these popping sensations. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of remind you of childhood and oh. make you smile. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So that that chocolate bar is called now called my decision deferred because it actually brought me enough time wow. to be able to heal my body and get better and actually be more emotionally strong and build myself back up. And that's really what I needed. I needed to have that support. Yeah, well, a hundred percent. I mean, the fact that, like, your that story is incredible. That journey, my God. Yeah. How long ago was that? So it's four years ago now. It's still very recent. Four years. Yeah. Ago. You're doing it immensely well. So that happens, and now you've had the crackling Cadbury chocolate that is giving you time to yep. just feel and process and just just get round these emotions and these feelings. And at, at what point? Are you feeling to yourself that you need to now study or to learn about your body and your health? So from that point, I kind of, I'm, I'm either getting busy doing something. So I started getting busy dying and then I went, no, this is actually not what I want. This is not what I want for my family. It's not what I want for my children. And it's not overall just what I want. So I started getting busy living. Okay. And the next part of that process for me was actually, what are the things that I actually do want and what do I feel, you know, that I'm here for? Because, you know, following my story, there are so many things that had to go right for me to actually still be here. Mm, Absolutely. And for me, that, that gives me purpose in that I've got a mission and I need to fulfill that mission. 
Yeah. And I've been kept here for a reason. And, and, you know, there's a greater thing than just me. And I have a bigger reason than just me. Mm. And some of that has to do with my family and my children. Mm-hmm. And some of it has to do with, you know, what I want to leave behind yeah. in the world, what I want people to remember me by. Mm. So as all of this is happening, there's also another story that's happening as well in that when my husband and I first got married, he had irritable bowel syndrome. And so he would be in so much pain that he wouldn't be able to sleep at night because his stomach would hurt all of the time. Right. So then if he's in this much pain, he can't think and communicate properly. He can't function during the day like he should and so on. So we went through a healing journey with him to actually help heal his gut and reduce that pain and alleviate it so that he could actually function better. Mm-hmm. And during that space of time, people would ask me, what are you doing? Like, Ben's getting so much better. You guys are all getting better. What are you doing? Right. And I would have people messaging me all the time asking me, how do we get better? How do we do this? And so on. And I knew that that was part of my calling. So when I got busy living, mm. I went, I need to run with this as hard and as fast as I can so that I can actually impact as many people as I possibly can. Wow. Wow. So that was the real instigator to get studying, to get all of that sort of action happening and moving um, so that I could fulfill that mission. Great. And so it's called a gap practitioner, which is what you said before, healing the gut. Yeah. Gut and psychology syndrome or gut and physiology syndrome. So I really focus on healing the gut and what's happening there so that you can nourish everything else. You know, your brain can't be nourished if you're not able to absorb all of the beautiful foods that you're putting into it. Mm. So we heal what's going on there so that everything else can be nourished properly as well that's remarkable and what's even more remarkable is is that this was really giving you purpose to just outside of your family yeah make a difference yeah and so i'm my question to you now is christina okay so you've been through a huge emotional roller coaster you have now seven babies you've started on you've started this journey of helping people through uh, being a herbalist and a GAPS practitioner, naturopath. How are you homeschooling? Because I know a lot of mums and dads are thinking, how are you doing the <laughs> passion and homeschooling? Like not even dropping the kids off. You're homeschooling. Yeah, yeah so I'm very strategic. <laughs> Please do tell. <laughs> In that, you know, for me, I think probably having a large family, um, everything has to do more than one thing. So even my coffee table, my coffee table is not just a coffee table. My coffee table can transform into a desk. Right. Uh, everything has to do more than one thing. So my homeschool transformed as well. So the children, all of a sudden, we, we just kind of stopped what they were doing and they started to learn to be scientists. Oh. <laughs> you know, I started teaching them about the cells and how the cells break down and the mitochondria and all of a sudden, you know, the cells on the arm, oh, look, you've scratched yourself. You've hurt your epithelial cells there. Oh. And so they have had this, you know, sort of, jumping in anatomy and physiology of the human being as well. So I've taken them along with me. That, but why did you choose? This is really interesting because I, I just before yourself, I was interviewing a school, a pre, a school teacher who's come out of the education system or the schooling system. Why have you chosen to homeschool? Okay, so for me, I was a teacher as well. So I'd done my Bachelor of Performing Arts and then I was a teacher. So I taught drama and English. Right. And when I started having my own children, I realized that I didn't want to be giving the best hours of my day to somebody else's kids and my kids giving their best hours of the day to somebody else. And I didn't get to see it. Wow. And 
I wanted to be that person for them. I wanted to be there to give them my best and they give me their best. And we actually just enjoy this discovery of learning together. That was my main instigator for it. But also too, I'd seen things within the education system that I was not 100% pleased with. And also within myself, like part of me is I want to give my best. And I knew that I couldn't give my best to my 25 to 30 students at school and also give the best to my children. 100%, 100%. And do you find that homeschooling is hard? No, so much easier. Really? How is it? Because I just think you would drop the kids off. There are people that have learned what mitochondria is. (laughs) (laughs) You drop them off, they will learn it. and they'll. So what's easy about homeschooling? So our homeschooling takes mostly two, three hours a day and we're done. Like by the time everybody else is out to lunch, we're generally finished our schoolwork. Because if you think about it, it doesn't take me nearly as much time to actually educate one child as it does to do 30. Okay. And I don't have any stopping and starting. I know exactly where they're at because they're my kids and I know when they're being silly and I know how to actually manage that because I don't have to worry about behavioral management issues because because I know how to, to deal with my kids. A little yeah. bit of bribery works too. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I'm sure it does. Yeah. And, you know, my kids are all proficient at doing housework. Um, you know, we start them early and, and they're out there right now actually cleaning the house for me. Oh, but see, I, I absolutely love, I'm, I'm pro homeschooling, but I, would, I am scared that, I don't have kids yet, but I would be scared that what if I teach the wrong thing? What if I don't know what to teach? What if they ask me a question I can't answer it? What, what, and this is a hesitation I get from a lot of my friends, is, well, they're not going to have contact with the outside world kids. So what's your response to that? So there are plenty of ways for kids to have contact with the outside world in the sense that you can go to sports, you can actually go to um, festivals and things like that where they're interacting with people, you do scouts, cubs, all of those sorts of things where they're actually interacting with other people. But above that, you also have homeschool groups. So, you know, every week we are meeting up with other families, they're building beautiful relationships with each other. And the positive element of that is that we're actually there for it so that we can break down some of the things that are happening. So if somebody is mean, we can actually break that down and say, well, why were they being mean? Was there something that you were doing that actually um, instigated that? Or was there something that's happening for them that made them feel that they needed to lash out and perhaps they were doing it inappropriately towards you, but they were doing it because they didn't know how to communicate their feelings. Like we're actually right there being able to educate them on what can be emotionally going on for other people as well. Mm. Oh, I, I, I'm pro it. I'm just, I'm just, I'm impressed that you're doing it with seven kids. And I'm, so where do you find the time, Christina? Cause this is like, I do I'm need really- to add to that. I have a really awesome husband as well. So it's not just me. I do have an awesome husband and we are a team and it's not, you know, we share that burden. Right. So he homeschools as well, the kids? So he does elements of it as well. So he loves music. So he teaches some music um, and so on. And I'm like, I'm crap at music. I can't do music <laughs> to save myself. There's heaps of things that I can do. Music is not one of them. I pick up a guitar and it might take me, you know, a whole year to learn a couple of strings. He picks up a guitar that he's never, ever played before or any instrument. And it takes him about 20 minutes to figure out what notes are what and plays something. It drives me nuts. But <laughs> <laughs> So you complement one another you yeah. both, and it's a t- it's teamwork that you're doing. And I, and I absolutely love that. So where does Christina find the time for two things? Number one, your work, your passion. And number two, yeah. Christina time, just healing time for yourself. Yeah. So some of it is actually um, 
for work for me, I usually work in the evenings. So the kids have gone to bed and then I'm working. And part of that actually is me time. Like last night on every Tuesday night, I do a gaps call with my program participants right. and we just, we talk about what's going on for them, but we also just talk about life, like, and actually just chat and talk and, you know, get into each other's lives and help support each other in that sense. So I actually get a lot back from doing those things as well. Mm-hmm. But also too, I love meeting up with people. So, you know, my husband and I will tag team sometimes his turn to go out, my turn to go out and hang out with friends and just, you know, not have any commitments of it has to be purposeful just to hang. Okay. Okay. So I can obviously tell by you have being able to do this, you're pretty strict or disciplined with time. Um, sometimes, yes. Sometimes I fly by the seat of my pants and it's a miracle that things get done. But other times I'm very regimented and strict about what happens at what time. Okay. But would you have any tips to give someone who is trying to just, you know, because I know there's a lot of people that I've spoken to who have kids who don't necessarily homeschool them, but who do work on a side hustle or their passion and they just, the balance, there's no balance, but there's just the act of trying to do both is quite true. So for me, it's about getting really clear on what it is that you want out of your life because it can be over like that. It can be totally gone and it won't be here. Like it's just over. You could walk out the street today and get hit by a bus. It could be over. Mm. So you need to not think about what you want your life to look like in the future. Like just be working towards that. You want it to, what is it going to look like today? What do I want out of my life? What do I want to leave behind? What memories do I want to have? What things do I want to think about when I'm dying on my bed? What do I want to be proud of? All of those sorts of things. Mm. And even though I've got a lot going on in my life, I actually really love it. Like I love that I'm there with my kids homeschooling them. I love that I'm working with patients and, and helping clients. I love that I'm doing all of those things. And while it's busy and crazy and sometimes I just need to go to bed, I actually really enjoy it. And that's the difference as well. Like you can do a lot of actions and a lot of movements, but if you're not enjoying it, Mm. what is it for? Yeah. Yeah. Look, a thousand percent. But really what triggered your passion was having gone through this knee death experience and then realizing that I want to be able to help others in finding their coming out of their health. Yeah. But also too, for myself, like, you know, um, I'd realized that I had done things previously that I was not proud of in the sense that I'm like many mums, you know, I was not necessarily proud of the way my body looked and the, you know, all of the jiggly bits that you have after you have a baby and all of that sort of stuff. And so I did the mum thing. I was behind the photos. I took all the photos, but I was never in any of the photos. And it wasn't until afterwards that I realized I was actually doing a real disservice to my family because to them, I just looked like me. Yeah. But to me, I was judging that. So I didn't get into photos and I wasn't leaving them any memories. Yeah. So if anyone, you know, follows me now on Instagram, there's heaps of selfies in there. I'm leaving my family with tons of different photos that they can have to remember <laughs> me by. Hopefully they'll pick out some good ones. Wow. You know, it just made me clear too about how was I living my life and was I doing the things that I actually wanted in it? Yeah. Um, was I getting what I wanted out of life? Because you only get one shot. And even if you believe that you uh, have multiple lives, you only get to live this one once. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, Christina, that because you went through that experience um, of being on life support, that had that experience not have happened, maybe you wouldn't have gone and started your own 
business on the side and worked on do you think that instigated yeah. did that need to happen yeah definitely a hundred percent you know there was a part of me that was always kind of dabbling in it but there wasn't that drive to actually make it happen yeah. until that that moment that moment was really pivotal to me actually going what am i doing i'm wasting my time yeah like yeah. How much, look, we don't even have a TV in the sense that we have a television in our house, but it is not connected to any television station. It is only there for us to watch videos that we want to put on it. Whether it be a YouTube video so that we can learn something, whether it be, you know, a family movie that we want to watch together, there is no free to air TV in my house. And and why why is that? I love that. And I don't want to know why that is. Yeah, and that's because the amount of times, like, we would put on one show for the kids and then three hours later they were still watching something and it was probably dribble. It wasn't adding anything to their lives at all just because it was on. Yeah. Whereas if we get really strategic about how we're spending our time, and that includes how we're, what we're viewing, what we're putting into our spirits, you know, what we're feeding ourselves emotionally, yeah. um, getting really intentional with that. I love that. Are you a very God-conscious person? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can tell. I can tell because how you feed your spirit, how you, and I love that because it only adds to the energy of your household. Yeah. Energy of what the kids are absorbing because, I mean, I remember going to school in year five and we were taken to a hall and uh, the movie Grease, you know, with John Travolta and, and I was thinking, and it's quite adult themes in that. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm watching Grease and I'm in year five. I haven't been allowed to watch this at home. but. Yeah. You said you have to be very careful of what you're putting on because it's not adding to you. And that's yep. so you wanted to have 12 babies. Do you think that's one of the reasons why you're good at homeschooling is because you just love kids and if you don't really uh, look, I just I, I don't love kids that much. I love my kids. <laughs> I'm just you know, I, love I, just, I just I don't love other people's kids that much. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But do you think that makes you a great homeschooling mum because? of the fact that you were a school teacher but it's like in other words do you need some prerequisite no absolutely not and i actually think it makes it harder if you've done teaching education because the whole time you're actually um doing your teaching education you're aiming at teaching a classroom full of teach of of students Mm. so you're one of the terms that we used to use in teaching was do you aim for the middle so you produce your product to aim for the middle of the class because that's where most of the people will sit. You'll have people on their underside and you'll have people on the, you know, other side where they're powering ahead, but you have to focus on the middle because that's all you really have time for. If you have time, then you might have some advanced learning and you might be able to help the stragglers, but you teach for the middle. But for my children, I don't need to teach for the middle. I can teach for exactly where they're at and I can, you know, take them, as far as they want. I remember doing one of my homeschool reports and my son was doing the same level math as my, his elder sister who was three years of, in front of him. Wow. And they were going, are you sure this is correct? I'm like, yeah, he loves math. So we've just gone ahead with math. Uh, whereas, you know, she's not loving math so much. So she's just plodding along with it. Yeah. Yeah. But we can run with whatever they want to. And I think that's so juicy because you can see their passions emerging in front of you. And you, you have the golden opportunity to nurture their passions. Yeah. Rather than squandering it so that they have to go work it out one day when they get into the workforce somehow. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's the golden part because my sister and I were talking and she's taking her kids who's like 12 and 13 to learn mindfulness and, 
And I said, that's incredible because there, these are parents who are just very in tune with what their children need versus what the curriculum says you need. Yeah. And I think that's where the golden is and that's where their genius is going to just flourish so, so much sooner. Yeah. And I think you've touched on another important element too, is that when I'm educating my children, it's not about learning stuff. Mm. It's not about learning all of the different facts and figures that they could have. It's about actually teaching them how to learn. Yeah. And as long as I can keep learning fun, they're always, throughout their whole entire life, they're going to want to learn. Well, I love that. Is, where, did you, where did you get these? Because if anyone's listening to this and they want to think, well, maybe I want to homeschool my kids. How do you get to know these intricacies of teaching them learning and not just teaching them facts? How do you know what to teach, what not to teach? How, to do, how do you get in that information? Yeah. So I think probably I started by... I knew I went into homeschool, so I went to homeschool meetings. Like, I just found what was happening locally. And, you know, before my kids were even anywhere near ready to be homeschooled, we just went along to those homeschool meetings. And I talked with other moms. And then I delved even more and I got some books. So there's this beautiful book that's called um, Wholehearted Education, which Mm -hmm. is all about educating the whole whole child and not just focusing on their brain. You know, their brain is a beautiful element, but they also have a heart and they have, you know, emotions that they need to walk out and they have to be educated in how to do that. Because, you know, intellectually, if you've got lots of facts and figures and you know all that stuff, you can do fairly well, but you have to be able to communicate that with people. If you're lacking in those abilities to communicate and read people and be able to take them on a journey... Uh, to get them from where they are to where you want them to be, whether it be just taking them on the journey of this is how this study works. Yeah. You have to be able to communicate effectively with them to actually progress. And some of the biggest leaders in, in the world are not necessarily those people who have done fantastic in education. Some of them have never even finished high school. Yeah. But they have this extraordinary ability to communicate. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. And so now that, I, thank you for sharing that because that's just going to open up pathways for people listening now that you do currently obviously have homeschooling the kids and you'll do that up until year 12 yeah that's the plan at the moment one of my daughters wants to be a vet so at 16 she's planning on actually just enrolling in a TAFE course which is veterinary nursing mm. um, which she can do at home by distance um, so that she can learn all of that those facts and figures and the elements of the animals um, so that she can go into veterinary nursing and ve- be a vet if she wants to I love that. Love that. And so now that you've got that happening, where do you, how much time do you spend on your passion, on your work, on your business? Um, so probably I've, I've carved out around 24 hours a week nice. to be able to do that. Nice. Um, and I do that inter- intermittently. So um, if anyone was to look at my work schedule where they could book in to be a client, they would see that most of my mornings are blocked out because that's when I'm doing schoolwork. Ah. Uh, and then, you know, I've got some sessions in the afternoon and then I've mostly got sessions in the evening so that people can put their kids to bed and then they can get on the computer and talk to yeah. me about what's going on. So the work that you're doing with people is consulting, like helping them, they, they yeah. just know what the problem is and then you consult with them to yeah. the dis-ease. Yeah, and what's going on for them? And I'm like, for me, I just love how the body works because we have... We have this medical model that often just separates the body from the mind. Mm. Whereas to actually be able to get true healing, we need the mind and the body all to be healed together. Yeah. And the more I work with clients, the more absolutely excited I get about this stuff because I can just see this interlinking relationship between what's going on in their head and what's going on in their body and being able to 
communicate with them because sometimes they don't even know what's really going on for them because they've dissociated themselves from themselves, you know, by shutting stuff down and I'm not going to talk about that Mm. and really, you know, pulling that out. So I do a lot of coaching as well as all of the medical stuff of, you know, what herbs and supplements and foods you need to eat, but as well as what spiritual things you need to do as well. You know, what messages have you taken in that are not serving you? How can you change those messages? Mm. How can you make, what you're thinking serve you better how can you get clear on what you want in your life and how can we actually start achieving that for you so this is really interesting because the people that i've interviewed on this podcast christina they've come out of a career and then now obviously your career was uh, being in education being in school and teaching did you ever have an inkling in your mind in the past that you wanted to do this line this line of work the healing work that you're doing now no way. I remember when I was a, like a brand new teacher, even with homeschooling, I thought homeschoolers were nuts. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the same, the same with, you know, the work that I do now. Like I just, I thought there was something crazy. They had to be hippies. And it wasn't until I actually walked my journey that I went, oh, actually, there's actually stuff too. <laughs> Am I a hippie now? Does this mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay so now this is just really an evolution of christina yeah, absolutely love that. love that and do you know where the vision is for this like are you happy just going along as you are do you have a vision of where you want oh to i have a huge vision of course yeah please share so my all-time ultimate vision would actually be to create a wellness retreat center where a whole family can come and we're actually focusing on fixing everybody because when somebody in the family is sick everybody's sick to some degree of element whether it just be that they can't communicate or they've taken in messages that are not necessarily theirs Mm. Um, i remember listening to a story about this family where the daughter was always sick and the son um, was healthy but he thought that you know that he had to be sick to get attention so he started to do things that would make him sick And it wasn't until you unpackaged that that you go, actually, no, you don't need to be sick to get attention. And actually, mum and dad do need to have some focus on him as well, as well as the daughter. And sometimes you need somebody else to come in and step into that space to help care for the daughter that is sick so that they can have that attention for that son too. And so that the whole family can actually get healthy and well together and learn to communicate and learn to just be well. Oh, my God. I love that. Oh, my God. That's such a beautiful vision to heal families. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is, if anyone can do it, you can do yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, wow, you are the pinup girl. <laughs> You're the role model for all of this, which is absolutely amazing. Is there any advice that you would give to someone who is thinking of plunging into their passion without needing to go through, you know, having their back to the wall? <laughs> any advice that you would give someone? I think my advice would be, Get really clear on what it is you want. Like really language it. Mm. Be very specific about what you want because you can't know, you can't know that you've achieved what you want unless you've actually languaged it. And so many times people realize when they start to language what they really want that they've actually had, they've already got what they've said they wanted, but that's not what they want because they didn't language it specifically enough. Yeah, yeah. So get really clear on that. The other thing I would say is maybe invest in a coach. Or somebody, even if it's a group of buddies, you're all working together to get to the goals and spur each other on because you can't travel this journey alone. It actually is by, you know, we're, we're built to be communicators and to be around each other. Yeah. And you need somebody else to help, you know, sharpen your iron, so to speak, and help you get where you want to go. Did you have a coach, Christina? 
No, not yet. <laughs> but you Maybe. Mean, you've surrounded yourself. You've surrounded yeah, I have. I'm very good at surrounding myself with people. So um, an example of that was I, when I was doing my study for naturopathy, I knew I needed other people to help me. And I figured there must have been other people out there that needed help too. So I started a Facebook group. And over the period of three years that I did it, I'd actually pulled in 600 other students that were studying the same thing as I was studying. We all helped each other. You know, we would spur each other on and you just get lol and someone will put a Facebook message up and you're like, yes, I can do this. Hey, I love that. Love I'm very good at building communities around myself to get things done. But I, but I think that just speaks to your ambition. It's yeah. just you knew what the end goal was and so you had to find a way to make that end goal the possibility and to realisation. So you just, like yeah. I said, this point you language it very clearly yeah i love that i love that well christina i just want to say this has been very i i didn't even know this story so i'm just like gobsmacked when you've been telling me but i want to thank you sincerely for sharing that because it's really opened my eyes and it's testament to i mean god i used to think can i even homeschool any children but you've just shown me the possibility and the joy that it brings yeah. that when you have a want, a need, a desire, and you just follow that and not be stuck in your fear, that it can really, you can reap so much more rewards than living yeah. in. And we are the artists of our own lives. Mm. You, know, mm. you create what, what you want to live. I love that. Do you give pep talks to your babies? Do you give- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just, they just go, shut up, mum. <laughs> Because I would just be like listening to you if I was your child, I'd just be listening to you because it's so juicy. So thank you so much, Christina. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Uh, it's been a joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.